smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. This is the podcast you've all been waiting for. What is it? December 8th. Yes. Um, I am your host, Cliff Schechter, here with uh, my other host, John Aravosis. Hey, John. Hello, Cliff. We also have returning champion, um, friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> host of the host of of When America Worked, a, a podcast on history and politics. Bill Shear uh, here. He's also a writer for Real Clear Politics. What else do you do, Bill? And, and contributing editor uh, for Politico, and I have my other podcast with um, Matt Lewis, the DMZ, which is on oh, Bloggingit.tv. Right. Oh, that's funny. You have two podcasts. I, I have my, I have my weekly podcast with Matt, which is, you know, politics of the day. And my new history podcast, When America Worked, is uh, scripted. You know, it's not going to be every week. These are deep, deep dives, uh, exploring great moments in American history that were forged through pragmatism, which is more interesting than it sounds. Mm. If you check out the first podcast, I think you'll you'll get where I'm going with it. Mm. Uh, I think knowing you, we already get where you're going with it. Yeah, I was going to say um, pragmatism. Those sounds like fighting words, uh, which you know <laughs> now these days, like compromise and stuff. Exactly. Who is isn't pragmatic, Bill? Well, like the first episode is about a guy you probably never heard of, Edward Aristotinius Jr. He was FDR's second Secretary of State and Truman's first. And in my opinion, he deserves the lion's share of the credit for the creation of the United Nations. And the whole story. It starts with a sex scandal, there's spying, there's betrayal, and there's also compromise. Uh, it's not something that just sort of magically appeared. There were tons of very complicated compromises that Satinius had to navigate while being wildly disregarded and disrespected as a lightweight. Uh, so there's a lot in the story uh, that is not well known and I think has you know relevance to today. Now, what's funny about this, Bill, and let me tell you why I, I do know who Statinius is, besides the fact that, you know, <laughs> I went all the way through as an ABD history guy. So, you know, I'm going to love your podcast, by the way, because um, I, I took all the classes, didn't write the dissertation. Appreciate um, that. But, oh, no, is my son drumming? We're going to have to take care of Oh, that. I didn't hear that. I have not heard it this time. Is he already like, boom, blah, boom, blah, boom. Did you have a last time, Bill, when he drummed? Was it, were you, was I have it not him? heard that. Is it how long has he been on the kit? Uh, he's he's been playing for a while and he's pretty damn good. It's only during isolation uh, times, like when he can't be at school. He was at school for a while, but they called it off this month because there was a God. mini outbreak of COVID. So, um, so here we are. Can you guys hear it or not? In the morning. Can you guys hear it or not? I don't hear it. I don't hear it yet. I'll let you know. I think he's okay. okay let me know if you do, and then I will. I'll do something. But as of yeah, right now, previous times were quite. It was like doors are closed and all that. So so. All a right. couple blocks from where I live, Bill, is a is a street called Statinius. Wow. The Statinius family, where I live in this interesting part of, of Cincinnati, which people will forget, was once a pretty important place in this country um, in terms of its support for the union and where a lot of the early folks came from. You may have heard of someone named Salmon Chase, for example, too. Yeah. And there's others. Um and so a lot of the streets around here are named after those famous folks that came from these very prominent families, these old line families that, you know, worked in various administrations. And, you know, uh, there's even a, a law firm here that's big, still Taft, Satinius and Hollister. You God. probably know who the Taft is, is named after. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in any case, yes, I know. That's pretty funny. I'm, I'm, I'm even I, more interested now. I wonder if it's named after his father. I, it I, may I, not be him. It's definitely the family. Yeah, like the family has roots here in Cincinnati. Because um, so the like, father 
was he 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 owned a ran a match company, and then he got tapped to handle uh, the conversion of uh, American manufacturing might to producing weapons for World War One. Right. And uh, Ron Chernow says that Satinia Senior is the father of the military industrial complex. Oh, sweet! Uh, Didn't know that guy's from uh, Cincinnati. And, and then his son, who was also his namesake, was sort of following in his father's footsteps, did the same thing uh, in the run-up to World War II, but then flips and becomes a diplomat. Uh, and I won't tell the whole story here, but he, but he wasn't really raised to be a diplomat. He wasn't raised to be a peacemaker. And so for right. the father military-industrial complex to end up being the guy that creates the United Nations, I thought was an interesting... Oh, it's sort of like the arc of Iron Man, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. You come from a defense company... But you end up being exactly. Cautious. You, you, you really end up being a peacemaker. He just rejected the defense company, and then he killed people on his own. Who are bad? And your heart explodes. Um, yeah. oh, did I just spoil it for everybody? No. Uh, they don't know. There's a lot of movies to see in between, folks. Go check it out. Um, so, so for topics today, it's nothing earth shattering. Um, we've clearly got the ongoing attempt to steal the election by Trump and company. Uh, possibly a little bit of COVID thrown in, and. Uh, Biden's cabinet choices, and there's a little controversy there. Some merited, some not. And then finally, Trump 2024. So yeah, man, we could start with uh, the election steal. I would say we want to. I like using their terms since that's what they're doing. God, you know, you know, it's funny. I was watching um more clips of Kaylee McEnany, who's the White House press secretary, and also now Trump campaign spokesman. She's doing both at the same time, which is totally illegal. But um, once again, it reinforced just how like fucking angry these people all are uh, you know yeah. i mean like biden picks jen pisaki to be his press secretary who's just this like voice of reason and joy you know jen speaks and i even when she's like criticizing i don't think she's ever been you know sort of blood flying out of her mouth well i assume that's because she's greek right john she is greek which i did not know until recently her father's greek <laughs> um but no but see, well actually if if her Greek side would be the blood flying out of your mouth. I was trying to compliment your people, John, and you have to just throw that back. Yeah, no, she's that, that would not be her Greek side being calm and reasoned, but, um, no, but it just, it, it's been kind of blowing my mind once again, watching this and how everybody on their side is just, you know, spitting mad, but they're always spitting mad and they're always angry and they're always loony. And they're always talking like, as I always say, like they've had 30 cups of coffee, those cooler kids than I, Note that it's cocaine and Adderall or whatever, but well, actually, <laughs> but I mean, Bill's pretty smart at this stuff. How much of it? I'd love to ask if that's okay, John. Bill, how much do you think yeah. of this are, are actual crazy people as unhinged as, as Donald Trump, and how much is just that these these yeah. guys, all of them, have sold their souls and are willing to play the, the demagogue if it benefits well, them? Well, I think we have to try to start understanding is we're continuing trying to understand what is going on with the Republican party, what, what doom spiral this party is in, how much of it are hardcore bitter enders who are detached from reality, how much are more cowardly. They know what's going on, but don't have the, the gumption to actually say it out loud. And I think, I think there's a smaller third faction of people who are actually honorable like the Georgia secretary of state, for example, uh, and even I might throw in there, we got a handful of Republicans trying to pass a COVID relief bill. We do have Collins right. and Murkowski and, and Cassidy and Romney, whatever their past sins may be. I'm not saying they're, they automatically become saints. Uh, but I think they there's are one more, if you don't mind, Bill, there's one more group that I would call that are important in this that are the cynics. They don't actually believe it, 
They're not part of the crazy group that thinks this is all true, but they're also not part of the group that's just too cowardly to say anything. They're actively supporting Trump, but they know that it's a bunch of like, that's where I would put someone like Ted Cruz. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally doing it for careerist reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to fully separate out the cynics and the cowards, you know, because yeah, I guess. it's all it's all careerism. Well, the cynics tend to speak up more. The cowards just won't say anything. You're like, hey, why haven't you said anything? And they walk away. Whereas the, there's this group that actually willingly goes on TV, like Kaylee McEnany uh, and Ted Cruz, who willingly right. speak out no. the way Ted Cruz said he'd take it to the Supreme Court and 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 you know try to stir up trouble. And the only two, you know, they're not cowards, I would say. They're more either such, they're cynical bastards who will do anything to get ahead, or they're, they're part of the crazies. Yeah. Now, that, now that's all gaming out people who are in office. And then how, do, what is, how does that translate to actual rank and file voters? I mean, how many Republican right. voters are yep. all in on Trump and how many are kind of ready to, to move on? I mean, polling is obviously a very dubious uh, tool these days, so I don't want to necessarily treat any number as gospel. But the handful of polls we've seen about 2024, and I don't mean to jump ahead in topics, uh, shows that Trump has you know maybe a third to a half of loyal support, and the rest is scattered amongst other candidates. And that just sort of suggests to me that there is a real divide within the party uh, in terms of how Trumpy they want to be going forward and how much they want to not be reality based. And Democrats should understand that because it, it has impact as to how to govern. If, if you can drive divides within the Republican Party, then it's easier to pick off some on certain compromises. If it's going to be a Republican controlled Senate with McConnell in charge, the only way to get that guy to move on anything is for him to conclude it is a, a steeper political cost to obstruct right. Than to cooperate, and that only that only be the case if there are Republican voters, you know, putting me, pressure on him to do to co to cooperate. Bill, let me jump in and tell people what the poll results were because they're kind of a mixed bag. It's kind of funny, yeah. um, as you said, Trump, you know, only gets fifty three percent support among Republicans and uh, Republican leaning independents for a hypothetical twenty twenty four Republican primary. The problem is. Everybody, okay. Everybody else. The second up is Pence with only twelve percent support. Don Jr. is third with eight percent. Right, so it goes down from there. The problem is, Trump only gets half, but he gets the lion's share half. He gets fifty-three percent, and the next person down is twelve. So it ends up becoming the same primary we had last time. This like jungle yeah. primary, right? I mean, and, and before Trump had more of a plurality, which was still correct. enough to get the, get the nomination. Up. Yeah. yeah. So that's the only thing that worries me is looking at it. It's still pretty freaking strong. And I mean, I'm sorry, but look at who they've got. Pence, number two, Don Jr., number three, then Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz. OK, Mitt Romney, fair enough. Nikki Haley. There's just so many freaking lunatics. I mean, I mean that's well, the point. you know, like I'll never forget when I was going on. What Dan Crenshaw. Right. Oh, God. When I was going on radio, he's a, he, see, he's another one who. I believe is of the cynic crowd. He doesn't he doesn't hide and not say anything, but yeah. he purposely speaks up. He's completely in bad faith and yeah. full of shit, and uses his military background to pretend he yep. has any political courage, which have proven themselves not related courage on a battlefield and in politics. Sadly, at least with a lot of cases I can think of, and and so that you know that's another one of those ones. The problem is is that in 2016, you know, if the if all these other folks united against Trump. Maybe they could have stopped him. And of course, they refused to. They kept fighting among themselves. But as Bill is pointing out, like he's at 53%. And is Donald Trump Jr. going to be part of who unites against Donald Trump? 
So I mean, <laughs> even when you're trying to get the ones you lower know. down, you just you don't. There's there's nothing there. And as I point, pointed out many times, we brought up Ted Cruz. You know, he's every bit. I mean, look what he's doing with this Pennsylvania Supreme Court thing now, saying he'll argue the case. He's every bit as nasty, divisive, and as much of a pathological liar as Trump is. He's a used car salesman, just like Trump. And he came in second, people forget, in 2016. Wait, can I you combine you? the Trump and yeah, I'll just finish and say, when you combine the Trump and Cruz vote in 2016, you were at something like 70 plus percent of the party. That how said old, a lot. How old do you guys think Mike Pence is? 60 something. Bill? Late, late, late 50s? He's only 61. <laughs> I thought, I mean, with the gray and everything else, I figured he was like 66, 68 or something. And some 1830s morals there too. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, no, but the problem is that means in four years, he'll be 64, 65, or when the new president is sworn in. So even if he were to miss the next term of Trump, he could be 69 when Trump leaves his second term. So he could still run easily. I was trying to see to what degree Pence would say, I've had enough. Like, I well, this one we've also determined you can run until you're 112 years old. Because <laughs> well, it used true. to be that, like, we tried to stop, you know, people would say, oh, you, you shouldn't run past sort of 68 or whatever it was. How old was Reagan? I bet Bill will know that. Was he 69 the first time, I feel like? I think that's right. Something like that. And that was considered incredibly old, remember? All the jokes right. about how old he was. Oh, right. You know, right. Now we got people 10 years older running. <laughs> and again, I love Biden. I did some work for him. I'm a fan. But my general view of this uh, back then and now is that we really should be having people under the age of 70 running for the highest office in the land. Um, we may get your wish you know, four years from now. We, but Penn strikes is a very interesting player in all this. He gets sort of disregarded as, um, you know, a poodle. But I've, I've long argued and, uh, and was born out this primary, VPs have a fantastic track record in primaries. Uh, the only VP to try to run and fail is Dan Quayle, and he had other burdens. Uh, <laughs> not not just his own reputation, but he's up against Bush's son. So your, right. the value of being VP is that you have the president president loyalty aspect on your side. If you're up against the guy's son, it, that dissipates. Uh, so obviously Pence would have a very hard time running against Trump uh, if maybe he felt this was his only shot, that he can't wait another eight, four years because his uh, his 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 aura would would fade. Maybe feel like he had no other choice, but it doesn't seem to really be in his personality type. And you've never had a VP run against his president since 1940 with Jack Gardner against FDR, and that was a convention deal, not a primary deal. And now a word from our sponsor. In the spirit of holiday sharing, you know you put a lot of effort each year into finding the perfect gifts for special people. That's why you should send flowers from Bloomsy Box. That's B L O O M S Y box for the holidays. Bloomsy box are simply better blooms. Their flowers are sustainably grown on family farms around the world. You just place an order and your flowers are handpicked and arranged at a farm unique to you. It's like sending a personal one-of-a-kind gift. Bloomsy box delivers their farm fresh flowers straight to your door so they arrive weeks fresher. They pride themselves on great prices, a huge selection of artisan designed arrangements, no hidden fees, no endless upsells, and free shipping with, with a subscription. Whether sending a simple arrangement or a subscription for someone special, to receive flowers each month, feel confident with the quality offered by Bloomsy Box. Go to bloomsybox.com, that's B-L-O-O-M-S-Y, box.com, and enter the promo code STEPHANIE to get 15% off. You will also receive free shipping when you purchase a subscription. That's promo code STEPHANIE at bloomsybox.com. John, the holiday season is the one time of year we all get to indulge in our favorite traditions and feel like a kid again. 
Love no it. matter what you celebrate, everybody shares in the spirit of giving, whether it's giving gifts to our favorite people or spreading cheer to everyone around you. This year, give yourself and the ones you love an opportunity to look as young as the season makes you feel. Plexiderm can do that. It is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. It visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in just minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in just well, less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours, so you can relax surrounded by loved ones, knowing you're always looking your best. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon and is cheaper than a round of hot cocos for you and your loved ones. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping. When you visit buyplex.com backslash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and save the code sexyliberal. The order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit B-U-I-P-L-L-X dot com backslash sexy liberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexy liberal at checkout and now back to our show let me ask you is there a scenario under which trump doesn't get and i mean a credible scenario trump doesn't get the nomination in 2024 if he wants it i think, it's a, I think it's a scenario i mean yeah, I, like, I, that was in the back of my head cliff but i was <laughs> but i mean i'm not saying and i'm not wishing it upon him just for all the people that will try to i'm just saying that's the only scenario that comes to my mind. That's, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, Bill? Well, there... so, well, same as 2016. If somebody had the courage to take him on, do it successfully, and consolidate that non-Trump part of the party, yeah. then it's not implausible. But someone has to take a, take a stand. Yeah. You know, Now, Larry Hogan is the guy who's kind of trying to do that right now, the governor of Maryland. I don't. He probably isn't the right vehicle because he's too moderate. Uh, he's, I don't, he's, he's kind of milk toasty too. Like whenever he's on like, well, like, like East Coast liberal thing. You yeah, know what I mean? right. I think you need someone with more conservative bona fides to try to take Trump on in that way. But again, I, I see no, I see no takers right now, so I'm not expecting it. But and uh, and and I'm sorry, but there's 2016 when a number right. of them took him on, and guess what? They all lost. But they could, and they couldn't consolidate. If if there was yeah. establishing consolidation or an alternative, they could have stopped Trump. Oh, I see Trump what you mean. Not, okay, that's Trump what you was mean. not yeah. strong enough. Actually, I mean, everyone says it was so obvious. Well, it was obvious because he had a hard plurality, and right. between Jeb and Kasich and Rubio and Christie, they they couldn't get it together. It's the classic prisoner's dilemma. You can't yeah. tell all of them. Oh, all of you ought to drop out of the race for me because I think I can win instead against right. Trump. Yeah. Right. Also, you usually build up your former presidents as best you can. I mean, look at how they, they turned, you know, St. Ronnie and, you know, the whole Grover yeah. Norquist project and named something in every county after Reagan. Right. Meanwhile, what Trump has done, and I think this is where the Bush family has failed somewhat. Is, in every they've sp he spent the last four years like completely turning the, the word Bush into a dirty word in the Republican Party, yeah. attacking them. They're the neocon wing and, you know, all the kinds of stuff he and his people say about them. So whereas maybe a Jeb Bush or someone would have would have had a chance to come back maybe and say, hey, look, I'm very conservative. I'm so conservative that I wouldn't right. let a woman who was brain dead, you know, I wouldn't let her husband. Remember that? You know, yeah. I mean, he yeah, could yeah. point to a lot of insanity, his, his position on guns. I mean, all sorts of things. But it's not conservative enough. It, it's not, it doesn't matter how conservative your policies are anymore. It's that the Bush name has been dirtied and, and, and you know, kind of associated with establishment, whatever that means. And, and you know, although there is George P. Bush. And, he, is, and he's, he's, he's endorsed Trump this time around. Unlike other Bushes, he's tried to stay loyal. 
Well, he's the land commissioner in Texas, which people sounds like land commissioner BFD, right? But it's actually a pretty important office there. It's kind of like agricultural commissioner in Florida. You have to learn like what these weird, important offices are in specific states. Land commissioner often goes on to be governor. George P. Bush, we have to assume, has presidential ambitions. And so he endorsed, unlike, I think that's the biggest reason that I gave why I don't think George W. Bush or Jeb Bush endorsed Biden or came out strongly against Biden is because George P. Bush is the next generation and had endorsed Trump and they want him to have a shot at being president. Yeah. And, and But I mean, again, could he do it with that name? I don't know. Probably, probably still too soon for him. He probably needs to be governor or something. Yes. For, uh, so it, it, it comes down to, does anyone have the will to take on this fight and say it's time to turn the page? Look, typically, you know, you point out people revere their former presidents, not when they're one-term presidents. You know, Democrats threw Jimmy Carter under the bus Good very point. quickly. Uh, and George Bush Sr. was not coveted, you know, as soon afterwards. Um, you know, George, H. W., George W. Bush had a Draw, put some distance between him and the old man to get right. uh, that nomination. Well, that's uh, you know that's an interesting point though. Is to what degree, even though they, they're afraid of doing it openly, to what degree the powers that be aren't going to get together and say, "Look, you know, we lost. <laughs> we didn't get. We 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 should have." You know, with everything going on, well, frankly, he fucked up COVID too. Had he not right. screwed up COVID, we would have won. Would be a reasonable argument for them to make. Well, that, you know, but, but so even that suggests. If if you put it all on COVID, and many Republicans might, that suggests okay, no, once no, COVID no, no, no. is behind, you put Sorry. it all on COVID because he fucked up COVID. <laughs> Basically saying this guy had it in his hands, we would have had another term, and he fucked it up because he always fucks it up, and we but, can't uh, afford to have him again. But good luck, what they do about it. But a lot of Republicans have told themselves, you know, not including Trump. We would have won because the economy was so awesome, and it's only because of COVID that I didn't win. And therefore, once COVID is behind us, this wasn't such a uh, landslide uh, defeat. Uh, right. we, 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 can, we can get it back with, with Trump leading the parade again. And uh, I think that misses a lot of data points. I mean, this is the first person... I mean, if he ran a third time, he'd be the first guy to lose the popular vote twice. Uh, and having been president, tried to run again. Now, William Jennings Bryan did that, did a third time uh, after being lost twice, but he never won in the first place. Uh, and I mean, Stevenson kept trying. He couldn't, yeah. uh, he couldn't get the nomination the third right. time around. Right. Uh, and you know, if they can't accept that he was already destined to lose in the first place, he was always behind. His approval was never high. Uh, the economy was not buoying him before the pandemic. That they he he may be able to keep things closer than people thought because he has that loyal base. But if he can't get you you know, over fifty percent ever, uh, then that's not the best you know wagon to hitch your hitch your your ride to. Hey, let me let me ask you both something. I was looking at this the other day, and it kind of blew my mind because I've seen it mentioned a few times, <clears throat> but I haven't seen people mention it much. We are we have an even thinner margin in those three blue line states, right? What is Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin? Yep. That last time I want to say Hillary lost those states by a combined uh, 70, 70 something thousand votes. Seventy-eight thousand, exactly. This time they're talking about it being like half that. That even though Biden won by what is it, seven million votes, something like that, mm-hmm. that 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 it was only a difference of maybe forty thousand votes in those three states again. That's, no. not, that's not right. Pennsylvania. No. No, that's wrong. He won Michigan by itself by at least like 220,000 votes. 
I don't. Okay, then I'm curious as to who they're combining because you know what? Pennsylvania, and if I'm right, Bill, you told me I'm wrong by about eighty thousand votes. You know what? Then then somebody's cherry picking three other states then to try to make the only thing that was extremely close of those three states that was Trump level close was Wisconsin. He blew away the the Michigan margin by. They're probably picking. uh, They probably picked Georgia, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, I think, right. I, think you, I think you do, because if, if you lose Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona, you don't have enough to win. Yeah. So those, are your, those I think, were your three narrow. I mean, but my question I wanted to, and this is something I did want to throw, was maybe give it to Bill first and then Cliff, too, because I'm <laughs> sure you got stuff on this. Tell people what the fuck the bullshit is with the Electoral College. A, how did we get it? And B, our party, you'll notice, not a hell of a lot of discussion after 2016 when it was the second fucking time we got fucked over by the Electoral College. And this time when it still could have happened again, but it didn't. Why? How did it come about and why are we so beholden to it that even Democrats don't speak out and go, you know what? We need to fucking get rid of this thing. There's some reason they're afraid to, to get rid of it. Well, the, yeah. I mean, the main the main problem there is that you can't get rid of it by yourself. You, you, there's, there's no way to get rid of it constitutionally because it requires an amendment okay of some sort. Here's your answer, John. <laughs> no, no, but there's no there's no no i'm talking yes cliff but i'm going one step further no one's even fucking talking about it at the highest levels of the party what do you think the republicans would have done had they lost two elections in 20 years because the electoral college fucked them over and they won the popular vote there would have been civil war let alone I they would have been fires outside my window right, right but they would have pushed i, I have a musket and I'd have a musket cocked preparing to defend my home. And we don't even talk about it. Me, I don't mean you and me. I mean, we don't talk about it as our national leaders haven't been talking about changing the Constitution to get rid of the Electoral College. There's wood. Uh, I mean, I mean, if G- if John Kerry beat Bush, which he could have, if, if a few votes shifted in Ohio, he would have beaten Bush and lost the popular vote. Uh, and if that had happened, I'm sure you do. We've got a lot of talk from Republicans about getting rid of the electoral college. Why is that though? Are Democrats well, afraid of alienating certain states if we if we even argue for getting rid of the electoral college? I mean, look, I think a lot of Democrats do argue for it. Uh, you, you don't get it at the highest levels. I mean, Joe Biden is chiefly a bipartisan depolarizer. I mean, that is a, a driving force in him. And when I, I talked about this during the campaign, and when I and I quote him saying things like that, and people would say, "Oh, Biden's just saying that this is typical Pablum campaign rhetoric." I'm like, "Go look so. at this guy's record for the last 40 years. It's hey. not Pablum to him. He yeah. believes this stuff." Uh, so I don't think he wants to start off with a lot of arguing about stuff that's not going to happen. He wants to find a way to show that we can pull the country together. So that's that's the the pressure yeah. on him not to do that. But nobody, uh, but you I get what I'm saying, say, John. Yeah, well, yeah. The only thing to add that I would say. You know, there's you get what I'm saying, Cliff. Like literally, talking about it. The yeah. things we don't do that they would do in terms of being ready with press conferences. I mean, all the stuff they're doing right now. Again, a lot of it will be forgotten because every time somebody like Ken Paxton just said the 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 the, the often in trouble campaign finance theoretically cheat who's being investigated for all sorts of things, and yet somehow still the AG of Texas just claimed that four states. Did did things unconstitutionally and and should the other electors should be seated? This is the AG of Texas. Yeah. When these types of officials say these things, we should be out there right away with a massive response and to call yeah. it what it is. It is treason. It is encouraging sedition. Okay. It is encouraging a coup. We don't do that like they did. So I have no argument with you when it comes yeah. to the method. And and, Cliff, and they're going to say it for the next four years. They're going to keep reminding us every day that Biden is an illegitimate president. Did we do that with Trump? Of course no, not. No, of course not. But here's here's where I would say 
there's there's nuance in this, which is one, they're trying to win the two Georgia elections right now. And I don't think you want to be attacking our system because we know Republicans can turn that on us in a second and have Fox News repeat it all day. Democrats attack the system and try to undermine and blah, 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 blah. So there's there's that. Yeah. And you want yeah. to concentrate on winning in, in Georgia. Yeah. Two, there's a lot of things, and I'll throw it to Bill from here, example being Puerto Rico and D.C. becoming states and giving senators as they should, um, you know, that can be done with a simple majority vote and a, and a president signing it as opposed to these huge constitutional halls. And it's sort of like, in a way, I'm not saying we shouldn't be out there saying it, but I wish we'd be messaging D.C. and Puerto Rico more. You yeah. know, I wish we'd be messaging the kinds of things that we can we actually can improve the unequal balance created by the Constitution. And you're Bill. getting people ready for us to – Bill, I'll throw it to you after this. You're getting people ready for us to do it. We're going to fucking do like D.C. or Puerto Rican statehood. Out Either we're not going to do it because we're going to say, oh, I know we've got the majority, but you know what? Cliff, we haven't been talking about it very much and people aren't ready for it. And you're going to be yeah. like, you haven't been talking about it because you haven't been talking about it. Like if right. we spent the next 10 years talking about statehood, it would finally sink into people's heads. And at the very least, they'd be ready for it. But Bill? Well, I, I mean, the argument for that, the political argument going for that uh, in the run up to the election was that Democrats were going to win the Senate. They would have the means to do nuclear option, get rid of the filibuster, and then you could do all these things on party line votes. Right. Uh, and now the best case scenario is a 50-50 Senate. Yep. You already have Joe Manchin and Kirsten yep. Sinema saying, no way, no how will they ever get rid of the filibuster. And if you can't get rid of the filibuster, then you can't do all these things. Right. Uh, at, least, at least you can't do on party line votes. I mean, back in the when we were younger, people talked about D.C. statehood as some kind of swap with maybe giving like, Utah an extra electoral yeah, vote somehow. That. that was Warren Hatch's big plan. Right. Uh, and, you know. I think that kind of compromise might still be theoretically possible. I just don't see how you do these things in this narrow, narrowly divided environment. Uh, it's not just it's not even constitutional. I would worry that that you're giving them um, it's not it's equal protection. Every other state, the electoral votes are done one way, but then Utah is done a different way in terms of how many they get. I forget how exactly it was going to go down, but I mean, any kind of a creation of a state, you know, requires there's the whole there's a whole process for that's got to get passed in the Congress yeah, and passed okay. in the legislature. Try to find a way, obviously, that makes it constitutional. But, go but on, my yeah. point is to do these things in a partisan way, where it's clearly the driving force is we want to get more votes than you, we want to get more electoral votes right. than you. You know, that inherently creates a backlash. I mean, you already see Republicans running against this this stuff and and threatening that that's what Ossoff and Warnock want to do when they will not have the means to do it. It's, it's not going to happen if they win, but they use it as a, as a foil. Uh, the fact that Biden won by a decent amount, but not an overwhelming amount, the fact that the Democrats lost seats in the House, the moderates are even more frightened of their standing than they were two months ago. They're even less inclined to go uber-partisan right now. Uh, so I just don't think you're going to have that appetite among Democrats to prioritize these no, things. I agree and with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wasn't even proposing now, yeah. you know, I mean, now we, we are where we are. And the first year I've said this from the beginning, the first year has got to be focused on the economy and the virus. I mean, we can't afford to do anything crazy. I think this year, really, I, I say crazy. You, you, you want to you want to till the, you want to till the soil. You want to get people ready. Oh, it's not even. No, it's more than that. We have just been elected into office. The country is in a, a double crisis of the economy and the virus. And you've got to focus on that like a laser beam. Otherwise, it will be far too easy for the other party to say, look at them. See, now they're trying to do X, Y and Z because they got power crazy and they don't. I just think it would blow up in our faces if we didn't focus on 
the main crisis. Well, that's, that's why, I mean, if Biden that does that, successfully, <laughs> if Biden is able to occupy the reasonable center, uh, putting stuff out there that everyone agree, the most sane people agree are the things to do. Uh, if that's done well, that puts pressure on Republicans to cooperate. I mean, the, the challenge, the, the obstructionist argument for McConnell is be maximum jerks, tie their hands. And when things fall apart, the party in power gets the blame and no one notices that we're the ones that did it. You've been listening to a free excerpt of the unprecedented podcast to hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media please go to patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode. And now a word from our sponsor. John, the holiday season is the one time of year we all get to indulge in our favorite traditions and feel like a kid again. Love no that. matter what you celebrate, everybody shares in the spirit of giving, whether it's giving gifts to our favorite people or spreading cheer to everyone around you. This year, give yourself and the ones you love an opportunity to look as young as the season makes you feel. Plexiderm can do that. It is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. It visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in just minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in just, well, less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours, so you can relax surrounded by loved ones knowing you're always looking your best. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon and is cheaper than a round of hot cocos for you and your loved ones. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping. When you visit buyplex.com backslash sexyliberal or call 800-685-1292 and save the code sexyliberal. The order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit B-U-I-P-L-L-X dot com backslash sexy liberal or call 800-685-1292 and say the code sexy liberal at checkout.